your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Six on the play clock. Snap. Oh, not a great snap. Armstrong gets it down. The kick sending toward the uprights. And the kick is good. And the Huskers have the lead. Barrett Pickering from 47 yards out. And it's 9-6. Big red. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Rohr. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Round of applause. Whatever else you want to do to celebrate, because you have made it to the weekend. You have made it to the start of Husker football. You did it. Well done. You, 12 hours from right now, we're on the air. Yeah. I I hope there's coffee brewing already, uh, because I'm going to need the help to get up. Uh, but once I wake up, you have up, a young child. You should be you should be used to this by now. Uh, you never do. Let, <laughs> let, let me give you a little advice as uh, a guy six months into his fatherhood journey, getting awakened at four in the morning by a screaming infant. I mean, there's there's a point where where you're not too phased by it, but you never get used to it. So look out for that. All right. Well. It will be an early morning, but for a good cause, because Husker football kicks off at shortly after 11 o'clock here on the Husker Sports Network. Cannot wait for this first game to get started. I say it every year, Nate. These Friday shows don't feel like sports nightly. They feel like a pre-pregame show because we're so locked in. Fridays around here before game days, specifically the first game days, are just psychotic. It, Uh it It would be good TV. To just kind of have like film crews around here, just like filming what what goes on in our offices the day before a game, specifically the first game. Yeah, I mean, everybody trying to get their radio copy in, everybody just getting organized for the first time that we put on, in essence, one of these giant seven parties. And, and never mind all the excitement of the beginning of the new season, uh, seeing the team for the first time, just pulling everything together that we have to pull together to make game days sound like they do and look like they do on the Husker Sports Network and even at the stadium. It takes a little doing. It does, but it's all worth it because in the end we get to watch Nebraska play football for another season. Coming up here tonight on the show, Greg Sharp, who's been very busy today, he's been bouncing around some uh, different celebrations and emceeing a couple different events. He will have time to pop in for an appearance before uh, his next one, so he'll stop in here this hour. Coming up in hour two of the program, Parker, Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star will stop by. We'll get Parker's final thoughts before the season opens up tomorrow and what he's looking forward to seeing, what he's seen in fall camp. So we'll get Parker's thoughts on that and another year of our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks. There are a number of teams in action tonight. One game that's just underway in East Lansing, 18th-ranked Michigan State taking on Tulsa, as Austin told you. And uh, there's a lot of lightning in the area in South Florida. They're nowhere near uh, kickoff time being set for Wisconsin and South Florida. That is going to be a very late night on the East Coast because lightning is, is still – happening and uh from what our our pal jesse temple from the athletic has has tweeted 
at least 45 minutes for the teams to even warm up uh, after the last strike. So it's going to be a long time before football happens down in South Florida, of course, uh, with the storm, with uh, Hurricane Damien happening. You know, you just hope everything's uh, staying safe and everybody's good to go down there with with that coming. But we will have some Big Ten picks coming your way in hour number two and the third hour of the show. Nate will walk us through what's on tap of the football schedule here this weekend. It's our weekend preview. It's the first time we've been able to dive face first into college football on this thing, and all feels right in the world. Yes. Like, like I've dove head first into a few things into my life, but the first <laughs> week of college football schedules about the best thing to dive head first into. Sure. Um, chocolate pudding, close second. Close second, <laughs> okay. yes. Um, so we will go through that. It is, the, the, of course, the last week without NFL, so we'll add some, some professional football uh, next week. Lamar Jackson will sit down with us with our Cornhusker conversation. We've done these, I think, the last three seasons. Uh, we've been able to do these for our, our Husker game day show tomorrow. I'll sit down with a current member of the team and, and a nice in-depth long interview and to get you familiar and get you to know some of our some of our players besides just what number they wear and what color jersey they have on. So looking forward to that again this year. And our first one is Lamar Jackson, Nebraska senior corner, black shirt. Uh, we'll play a little bit of that conversation tonight. Hear the rest tomorrow on Husker Game Day. Of course, our weekend review on Fridays. And as always on Friday nights, we finish with our winners and losers of the week. If you want to be a part of the show, call us up, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371, the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. You go into the game, what do you want to see tomorrow? What are your plans for Husker game day tomorrow? Give us a shout and uh, share some of your excitement with us here on Sports Nightly. Um, of course, Nate, I started out the show by the, you know this this feeling that you get before before every game, but specifically the first one. We've we've waited so long for this day to get here, and a lot of talk about players, scheme, coaches, uh, the Big Ten, Big Ten West. There's so much talk about everything over the summer, but. As we found out yesterday with Minnesota, you can throw all that out the window once the games get started. It's literally all about what happens uh, during the course of a 60-minute football game, and Nebraska is going to get their first crack at it tomorrow. Yeah, you want to see this team execute. We've heard a lot of talk. We've heard basically all positive talk, really, from this point, uh, from the end of the season last year to this point right now. So you feel like... The coaching staff is very happy with the work that's been put in. Even toward the end of last year, I say the, the clock started after the Iowa game, but really from the second half of last year to the current point, you don't feel like there's been any real negativity, any bad news. You know, the Maurice Washington thing might be the closest thing to it, and even there we don't have a definitive picture as to how that impacts things. But as far as the overall trajectory of the program, you think that things are going up and going up and going up. But it's time to see where that's gotten this team. I mean, you think back to the start of last year and how messed up things were in this program in that moment. You want to see how much work's been done and how far everybody's gotten. You like the idea that Nebraska's made a lot of progress, but let's see it tomorrow. The, the big theme to me today has been how different of a feel I have uh, about – 
game one this year compared to last year. Now, I know we were gearing up for Akron, and you know we were getting all fired up to see that. Of course, Colorado was the first game that the Huskers played last year, but to me there were so many other things that I was excited for other than the game itself. You know, there was so much other stuff happening, right? Scott Frost, first game as head coach, running out of the tunnel. We get to see this flashy new offense. Mm. You know, there was all this this stuff that was new, and it was more curiosity than it was, I would say, you know, wanting to win. Like, obviously I wanted to win, and everybody wanted to win, but you were getting – like, it was still the, what I've been calling the pinch-me moment. Like, is this really happening? Like, is Scott Frost still really our head coach? To me, all of that is gone. Like, yeah. now it's just – it's throw it and drive, step on the gas pedal, and go, and let's just get this thing moving. Yeah, you say it was more of a curiosity last year, and maybe that, that's probably the best word you can affix to it. Like, you just didn't know. Mm-hmm. You didn't know anything. Where the, Adrian Martinez, I mean, right. everything. Yeah, how this program would stack up, how you know pieces would fit, whether it's Divino Zigbo, Greg Bell – you know, even Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman, you just didn't know how everything would function together. And in that case, we really didn't get the definitive answer on that until midway through the year. Well, we've got a pretty good idea. I mean, hey, everybody wants to see what Wandale Robinson can do. And this fan base has heard plenty about him, and yet they've not gotten the opportunity to see what he can do with the football in his hands in a game situation or even a game-like situation. But for the most part, I think we have a picture in our head of what the offense is going to look like, what the defense is going to look like, and and at least something of a baseline of where this program is going to start. And you're hopeful that all the talk in in preseason camp – it comes to fruition and that they carry that practice out to where everything looks really sharp because that's what we've been told by this coaching staff that this team has done really all full camp. Since we were throwing around the word curiosity, what are you most curious about with this year's team tomorrow? I will be most curious to see Cameron Jurgens at center. We have, it's really been a, a full year of hype. And and this is a guy who didn't even play offensive line during his high school career. And the bar has been set really, really high by this coaching staff as to what they think they're going to get from Cameron Jurgens. Well, let's see it. Now, that's not to say that, that I doubt any of that's true or anything, but, but you want to see that production. You want to see that guy have a great game because that's – a heck of a place to start as this offensive line rebuilds. And you also feel it, it answers one of the big lingering questions about this team as far as who's going to play in the middle of that offensive line and how good can that offensive line be. So I think what Jurgens can do at center and then, of course, how do they use Wandale Robinson? I think once Wandale Robinson gets the ball in his hands. We all have a pretty clear idea in our heads of what he can do, but how many different ways do they get him the football and and how how much window dressing sets up those different ways? I think to me my biggest point of curiosity is going to be wide receiver production. There there are two things, wide receiver production and running back carry distribution. Mm. To me those are the two big things for me and and it sounds funny to say that with a Scott Frost offense, you know, with the skill positions, you, you, you like to think that it doesn't really matter. 
the scheme sets it up in a way that if you're executing the scheme, it's going to be it's going to work out. You're going to be productive. But I don't know. Conway Noah, Mike Williams, you know, some of these more these these guys that haven't either done it here or done it consistently. Do they take that step forward? I think that's that's my biggest curiosity factor. And and how does Dedrick Mills look? What's the story with Mo Washington? What is Ramir Johnson going to come in and get some carries? You know, all that stuff to me is is a big curiosity for what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, that's about the last thing that needs to be defined for this offense is how everything sets up after those front line guys. JD Spielman's going to get. 70 catches I have a a pretty good idea what that guy can do yeah yeah you know what that guy can do and you know that guy's going to be out on the field a whole lot you know and basically every every snap that matters but what about the next wave of guys how do they integrate Noah into the system how do they you know where where does a guy like Miles Jones start showing up that's another guy uh, that that's pushed his way onto the depth chart but how where, how do they use him and where do they use him? And, and and so, yeah, some definition at the wide receiver spot will be interesting. And then as far as running back carries, you know, Dedrick Mills has had a great fall camp, but what does that look like out on the field? I It's tantalizing because it sounds as if he's a great power runner, but what is it, what does that look like and how does that fit into the larger scheme of this offense? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that, that have yet to be defined on the field. We will get our first look at the 2019 Cornhuskers tomorrow morning at Memorial Stadium. Welcome back, Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network, off and rolling on a Friday night edition. 11 a.m. kick tomorrow between Nebraska and South Alabama. The 2019 season opener is finally upon us it's about 12 hours away now getting real close finally this is here greg i opened up the show uh by saying you know usually these friday shows and i've said this for years have a different feel almost feels like a mini pregame show these types of these types of shows here on friday but um you're gonna be off tonight doing doing some different things but you're able to squeeze the segment in with us how are you feeling right now well i'm 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 kind of running a rat race today ben the reason i'm not with you in studio full-time for the night is I just wrapped up Football Friday over at the Wick Center with the Alumni Association. We had a great time, a great event over there. Now I'm headed to Memorial Stadium. We've got the Husker Power 50th Anniversary Banquet Dinner that I'm going to be emceeing with for, for Boyd Epley, and we're going to honor a bunch of former Huskers who were kind of uh, winners of the first power lifters of all time tonight. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to see a lot of who's who of Husker athletics, guys like Eric Piedkowski is going to be there tonight. Jordan Burroughs is going to make – a quick appearance. We, we're not sure if the head coach, Scott Frost himself, is going to be there. He's getting an honor. Barrett Rude also, same thing. If they come, they're going to come together. We'll get him in and out quick. But it's going to be fun. But you're right. Um, you know these things are all going on. The town's filling up. The downtown area is getting busy. People are ready to watch this football team play tomorrow. Well, this is a long time coming. I spoke to a group today, and I said, you know, it was unfair the way the season ended last year because I remember interviewing Adrian Martinez after that game in Iowa City right outside the locker room and, and both of us kind of looked at each other going, well, what's next? You know, we were waiting so much for that for that season to get started. It finally did and then it ended. And, you know, we, we were waiting for this moment and that, that is Nebraska's next game and it's finally here. You know what the date of that game was? November 23rd. So November had a week to go when the football season was over. And then, of course, then you have the entire offseason. It's just been painful to go through this offseason because of what this team showed us at the end of last year, winning four of those last six. 
and, and the two losses were certainly incredibly competitive games. Uh, I, I've never been around a four and eight football team that I wanted it to keep going. Usually teams and seasons are like that in sports. You're ready for it to end. The team is ready for it to end. That group wasn't. They really felt like they were really now hitting their stride. But I think it's also motivated them, Ben, and in the winter workouts and in spring football and then in the summer workouts that they had. And obviously this camp that just wrapped up earlier this week for the August camp, they knew that they were close to busting through and being a really good football team. And they want to start to prove that beginning here tomorrow. I want to know if you get the same feeling as I do. You know, we, we're on the show every night during the summer, and, and we kind of say what we feel and what we think and our excitement levels. But to me – our true, my true feelings about a particular game or a particular season come out when I'm doing the prep. When So for you, when you're filling out your charts, for me, when I'm getting ready for my pregame show, that's to me what the, what the true feeling I have in yeah. my gut about a team is. When you were going through your charts today, what were kind of your final thoughts about you know what you, this team you were writing down on paper is gonna you're gonna see just how anxious I am to see certain guys when I'm putting Wandale Robinson's name down on my chart I'm like man I cannot wait to see all the different ways they're gonna f- get him open get him the football do those type of things what's Diedrich Mills gonna look like snap in and snap out can he be the kind of the bell cow for that running back room on defense you and I know are both excited to see what Caleb Tanner can do. I think we kind of teased us a little bit last year with his ability. And when you look at him, you're like, how can this not work with this guy? What about that secondary? I think, I think you know, a lot of questions about the safeties. I can't wait to watch Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke duel back in that, that area. And I'm, I'm pulling for both those guys. They're wonderful stories on both sides. And I can't wait to see if if what I think is going to happen will happen with this defensive front. I think those guys are pretty good. I think they can control some line of scrimmages as we get this season going. So all those things swirl through my head as I write out their numbers and their weights and their class grade and all those type of things. That's what I started thinking about. Okay, and as, as excited as we get, it's usually what we're talking about right now. What excites us that? what are you concerned about? I don't want to say like a particular player, a particular position group. Like to me, I'm concerned about someone getting hurt in the inside linebacker spot. Is there anything that that you look at and you go, I don't want this to happen? Yeah, I mean, I I think we're skinny at those spots that the both linebacker positions inside and out. And and there's a lack of depth on the offensive side of tackle. I mean, you, you love what you have in Brendan Hymas and Matt Farniak. But it's totally unproven behind those guys. So anytime if somebody tells me and you're, you're in my ear going, a uh, guy down, or I hear Mac go, oh, somebody's down, you're going to be holding your breath that it's not a, a backer or one of those tackles on the offensive side. That, that concerns me a little bit. For this game tomorrow, I think it's – and we saw a little bit of this last night. You don't want momentum-killing things to happen. Like you put together a good drive and then you turn it over in the red zone or you have a kick blocked – that gets either returned or set somebody up in good field position. That's the worry in opening games of the year. You you don't know if you've checked all the boxes and getting ready and some of those special teams be the only concern I have for tomorrow as, as it goes through just a play or two in the game. Let's talk about number two for a second. A lot of conversation about him uh, all offseason. He was at media days representing himself. A lot of hype around this young man. What's best case scenario for him tomorrow? Other than staying healthy, what's best case scenario for him in the offense tomorrow? Yeah, I think just finish drives, be be efficient, uh, get into a good rhythm. I always say with this offense and these fast break offenses that Nebraska now uses, the key to the drive is that first first down. Because once you get that first first down, you can really find some rhythm going. 
And so I always tell people when you're watching us play, do we get that first first down of a drive? Because if we do, I think our odds of scoring go way, way up. That may be a, a Matt segment for you, your numbers thing. Do drives, if they get a first down lead to points, and how often does that happen? Because that's my perception as I watched the Oregons for all those years, that if you need, if you were going to stop them, you had to stop them early in the drive because once they got going, that great rhythm. So I want to see us get into some good rhythm offensively. Adrian, let him, let him use different guys, move the ball around a little bit. Don't always just go to J.D., maybe find Wandale, find those tight ends a little bit tomorrow. Uh, and – you know he's going to run because that's what he does. He'll do some running, and that's okay. He's pretty effective at doing that. Last year at this point, for all of the excitement, I think most people were, were just excited to see Scott Frost run out of that tunnel. You know, all the other things other than the game. To me, it seems a little more businesslike this time around. Uh, all, like, like the kind of that pageantries wore off a little bit. We, we've accepted that Scott Frost is our head coach. We're no, we're no longer in that pinch me mode. Right. And, and now it's just about getting the job done. You feel any of that? Yeah, it's time to win, right? I mean, last year was like, okay, we got to piece this thing back together. It was broken. Husker football was broken. So you knew it was going to take a little time to kind of reassemble things. Now you kind of feel like, all right, now we could should have it to the point where we can start winning some football games, and it's time for that. Heck, it's maybe time for that across the board in our athletic department, but in football, no doubt, it's time for that to get going. And you're right. I mean, the novelty of seeing I, – I know we were doing this interview or segment even a year ago, and we were saying, what's the thing you're looking forward to most? And it was to see him run out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's gone. That The shiny new car part of that is gone. It's just time, yep, enjoy that, get fired up. Get your, get your emotions ready to roll and then get out and see how this team can execute. Well, I know tomorrow's all about Nebraska and, and you know, we're focusing on taking care of our side of the ball. But what, what do you know about South Alabama? And what are you expecting to see from the Jags tomorrow? In some ways, similar to, to Nebraska, second year for a head coach. Scott Campbell's been there, had a pretty good career at Central Arkansas, some other stops along the way for him. So he's trying to rebuild this or get this thing built up. How about this? South Alabama – they they only been playing football 10 years. They started in 2009. This is a young, young football program. But they've had some decent wins in their young life as a program. They opened the 2016 season, so three years ago, in Starkville, and they beat Mississippi State, coached by Dan Mullen, who now is the head coach of the Florida Gators 21-20. They win three games last year. They've got a couple parts back on offense that aren't bad. Nebraska, I'm sure, will be locked in on the running back mentor and a little wideout that they use kind of as, as Nebraska's going to use Wandale. He'll line up in the backfield sometimes. He'll line up on the outside. But they don't have a lot of them. They have a couple guys, not very many, and that's why Nebraska has a decided talent advantage in this game. So to me, again, it's more about – don't mean to sound like Darren Erstad here, but it's more about Nebraska than it is about the other team in tomorrow's case. Well, I think we can all, you know, be the ones to look at weather.com, but you're our resident meteorologist. What are you expecting tomorrow? We'll play. We'll play. We, uninterrupted? I don't know. I mean, I think there's a chance we may have a stoppage at some point in time if you have a lightning bolt in the area. I think there will be some rain in the morning when people get up and start making their way to the stadium, but I think it's probably going to be fine to play football in as long as we keep those lightning bolts away. I don't think the rain is going to deter the tailgaters. No, no. They'll be out in mass. You can put up those tents. You get those Well, things. they've been waiting for this day for months. Yeah. These guys are hardcore. I mean, they, they pack all the ponchos. They pack those things that have those awnings that stick up out over the back of their pickup truck. Rain's not going to slow anybody down tomorrow. I'm going to have a hard time sleeping tonight. Oh, you were planning on sleeping? 
where well, you, I mean, uh, that was the goal. We got football on the tube till <laughs> after midnight tonight. So I was up late. I I stayed up through the delay to watch the end of that Utah game. You did? Night. Yeah. Oh, I made it just to halftime and shut her down. Now tonight, Purdue Nevada doesn't even kick till I think eight thirty. So that yeah. thing's not going to be over till midnight. Yeah. Here and we then, go. Then we're on at six a.m. You're going to join Nate and I for the opening drive. That's the rumor. Yeah. If I'm awake. All right. Well, I'll set my alarm to call you. All right. Well, we'll cut you loose. Good luck tonight. Have some fun over there. It'll be should be a good yeah, time. Gonna be fun. All right. Appreciate it. Voice of the Oscars, Greg Sharp, with us here on Sports Nightly. Nate rejoins me right after this timeout. Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back to Martinez. Yen has some time. Throws down the middle of the field. Spielman makes a catch. He's going to go. This is going to be a touchdown for Nebraska. Spielman at the 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Just do it. J.D. Spielman in there for the six points. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Rohr. In case you forgot, Jonathan Taylor equals good. Rutgers equals bad. Hashtag analysis. That, that's the stuff that can only be expressed on the Husker Sports Network. That, that is the brilliance that you get from one Ben McLaughlin what I bring on to a the daily table. basis. This is what I bring to the table. Football the hot, knowledge. The hot fire takes. Also, I love how uh, you know we had the Blitz on Wednesday, Jesse Temple talking about Paul Christ is all about balancing the offense, taking shots downfield. Wisconsin ran well, they run eight plays on their first drive. Jonathan Taylor carried it five times. Yeah. And one of the plays was like a third and 14 or something like that. Look, he's the centerpiece <laughs> of their offense. He's going to get the ball a preponderance of the time. Uh, he's going to get the ball as often as he can stay upright. And, and you know what? That's a real concern for Wisconsin this year is how much more can they use Jonathan Taylor and still get the best of him, still get good Jonathan Taylor without him getting beat up, without him, you know, losing any of his fastball. Because right now, he looks really, really good. <laughs> and, and, and he was really, really good on Wisconsin's first drive. But if he's getting literally a carry a minute of game action, which is not not going to sustain, I understand that. But if he's getting 30 carries a game, Wisconsin's in trouble. I mean, I think he had, what, 14 billion carries last year? That's Somewhere in that like neighborhood? That. Good grief. We're, we're still counting. <laughs> still adding it up. Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah, math equals hard. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks coming up in our next segment. Good hour one. Thanks to Greg Sharp for uh, stopping by. Coming up in hour three of the show, our weekend preview. Uh, Nate will walk through the schedule, what's on tap, college football here this weekend. Our Cornhusker conversation tease a brief conversation with Lamar Jackson. We'll play the rest of it tomorrow on Husker Game Day, our weekend review of Sports Nightly and our winners and losers all before we say goodnight tonight as well. Callers, of course, welcome into the show, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371, the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Let's bring on our first guest of the night. We go to the Woodhouse Auto Family hotline and welcome in Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star. Parker, long fall camp for the Riders as well. You ready for a game tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Being a college football reporter is just, I mean, in a way, it's like 
being a college football fan or coach or player or whatever, you know, you, you do what you can during the off season to get to this time of year. So yeah, let's, uh, we'll just, let's just speed it up a little bit. And the sooner, uh, 11 o'clock tomorrow gets here, the better. I always ask players this. I'll ask you the same question. How how quick into fall camp are you over fall camp? We're excited to go watch practice. We're excited to have something to write about or to watch. How how, how soon are you over fall camp and just ready for a game? Yeah, there's always a, there's always a little bit of a, a gap in the middle of it, I think. Like the first week, um, there's a lot to sort out. Um, there's a lot of storylines, uh, jobs that are being – you know, battled for guys that have impressed over the summer and stuff like that. And then the, then you get into some of that, oh, you know, Quentin Newsom was the first of the freshman defensive backs to pop up and, and you know, it was Cameron Jurgens healthy and you go through all that stuff and then you sort of, it's the, the breaks sort of hit there in the middle and then you get toward uh, game week and it sort of revs back up with a depth chart and all that. But I, I would say about halfway through, um, or, or 10 days in or something like that, you start to look at the calendar and go, man, uh, the next three weeks could go by awfully fast and I'd be pretty happy. No doubt about it. Well, let's just start with what was the biggest thing you learned from fall camp over the last few weeks, something that maybe we weren't quite sure on heading into the practices, but but now you either know or are excited about. Yeah, I think that the I think the, the way that the offensive line sort of crystallized um, during camp and that the last piece of that obviously was uh, Cameron Jurgens getting healthy and right away going to the top of the depth chart there at center. We'll see if he splits time uh, uh, early in the season or or sort of how much um, you know he's got in the tank right away. But you know, at the beginning of camp and over the summer, I think people sort of wondered, um, will it be? Jurgens and Hickson or Farniak and Hickson, or maybe they'll, um, you know, put Bryce Bennard at tackle and move some people around. And there was all this, there were so many combinations of things that uh, you could sort of dream up that could happen. And then basically um, all that happened was Hickson solidified itself at left guard um, and the center competition unfolded the way it did. And so it really, that was more stable, I think. And then, then I think um, there's some developments on the defensive line, which is sort of keep it in the trenches, I guess. Um, DeAndre Thomas having a really good camp, uh, feeling like they've got, you know, Tony Tuio, he's got six guys. We'll see about Jakeem Green, who just got here in the middle of camp. So I think that the way, um, you could say this about really any position, but to me, I think the way that the, the offensive line, the defensive line um, sort of crystallized over the course of camp probably falls about the way that, that uh, the coaches were hoping it would. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Uh, Talking with Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star here on Sports Nightly. Parker, what's your take on the safeties with Deontay and Markell getting the starting spot and earning black shirts? Where are you at with that group entering game one with South Alabama? Yeah, I I think it was impressive. Um, Those guys clearly handled that the right way in terms of, you know, they were the starting pair coming out of spring. I mean, you had a really highly touted group of freshmen coming in um, this summer and so for those guys to um, you know establish themselves as as the starters in that group I think you know speaks well obviously of the offseason they had I, to me I think that the impressive thing about it is look at the lines after uh, Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke it's all walk-ons yeah. you've got uh, Isaiah Stalberg, Ethan Cox, um, Reed Carroll, um, and, and then, then Eric Lee, who's a scholarship player, senior. But those guys making up the, um, you know, rounding out the depth chart after 
the starters. I don't think that speaks ill uh, necessarily of the young guys. I think that they think those guys are going to be really good players uh, in time. But for a guy like Isaiah Stalbert or a guy like Ethan Cox or Reed Carroll um, to be as a walk-on in position to be in the depth chart and to, that, hey, look, they don't put those aren't those aren't charity spots. You know, you work your way out of that, and so those guys are going to play and those guys are going to be on special teams and all of that. And um, that's a pretty a pretty impressive accomplishment, whether you're a guy like Carroll, who's been around here for several years, or you're like a guy like Stallbird, who this is his second season. Yeah. Um, are you more intrigued slash interested in seeing the running backs or the wide receivers tomorrow? Oh, man, that's a great question. The, the beautiful thing about Nebraska now is we don't have to differentiate between the two. Yeah, They're all, yeah. all of them can. I, I think um, overall, I would say um, overall, I think I would say uh, running backs mostly um, because we don't know exactly what Maurice Washington's status is going to be. Um, and because Diedrich Mills is just going to be, I think, such an important uh, part of this offense, regardless of Maurice Washington's availability this season. So I'll give a lean to the running backs, but if I'm going to say that I get to count, I think Wandale Robinson uh, in that group as a guy who's obviously going to do some of both. It's an interesting phenomenon. You know, you, you think about Scott Frost's offense and what makes it work, right? You think of the skill positions. <laughs> Other than J.D. And, and Mo, if he plays, we're not quite sure what we're going to see. I think that, that has a lot of intrigue. The other part to this is the tight ends. And I know, you know, you look at what Coach Becton has in that, and he's very excited about his group. How much increase in production can we expect guys like Jack Stoll and Austin Allen and, and Kurt Raftall to have here this year? I think a lot. I think a lot. And it goes a couple different directions. I mean, I think in general, um, just given, you know, sort of that jump in year two, the feel, you know, the, the, the sense that there are more options. I mean, I, I did the numbers uh, this morning, I think. And, and last year, if you take the total offense, rushing and receiving yards, uh, Adrian Martinez, Divine Ozigbo, uh, and Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman combined, that, that, that was 71% of their wow. offensive yards. Uh, this year, it's going to be more uh, spread out, I think, than that. There'll be more people involved. And so, one, for the tight ends, I think the more aggressive – uh, Scott Frost is as a play caller and the more wide open they are, the more opportunities there'll be for that group. Uh, the more comfortable Adrian Martinez is uh, in the offense, the more opportunities there'll be for that group. And don't forget too, that, you know, all three of them and, and, and Chris Hickman could be in this conversation too, but particularly the three older guys uh, and the two sophomores, Allen and Rassoff made big strides physically. So all of those things working in concert, I think uh, it's a pretty safe bet that that, that group is going to be a lot more involved this fall. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that completely. Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star with us here on Sports Nightly. Parker, I've been getting a couple questions the last few days about special teams, particularly in the return game for Nebraska. And I know J.D. Spielman, they want to pick their spots with him and obviously Wandale too. But, you know, when when you think about that area, the kick and the punt return game, Nebraska has been pretty lethal. You think back to Amir Abdullah and Kenny Bell, both both were pretty good at returning kicks. It's been a while since Nebraska's had kind of that X factor back there. What are you expecting to see in the return game, not just against South Alabama, but, you know, compared to what Nebraska had a year ago? Yeah, I think you'd like to think that there are more options, um, both in, in kick and punt return. And and part of that, you know, it's always I, – I, it's one thing to have a guy like, um, you know, J.D. Spielman or Maurice Washington on kickoffs back there, but you got to be able to execute the schemes too. I mean, you have the best athlete in the world back there, and if you don't block it up, 
um, you know, the guy's not going to be able to go anywhere. And so I think that it's not just, I think they have more options as return guys. It's not just about that. Um, you have better roster depth overall. Uh, you got bigger, better athletes overall. Um, that really helps, uh, you know, scheme wise um, in, in the special teams and particularly in the return games. And so you like to think there'll be an uptick there. I think it's a, it's a really interesting conversation with J.D. Spielman, um, you know, he's hurt the, he, that high ankle sprain late last year that came on a part return. And so I understand some people have, you know, hesitations about about putting a guy like that back there. But I thought, you know, Jovan DeWitt put it beautifully uh, last week talking about it. That's a game-changing position, and it can be a game-changing position in a good way or a bad way when yeah. you're a part returner. And so you put a guy back there that you know is going to catch the ball, is going to keep himself out of harm's way as much as possible, and, and would he get a, gets a chance to make a big play, um, who else would you want on the roster with that opportunity in front of him than a guy like JD? Yeah, I think I think it's a good point. Um, I'm intrigued to hear from you from from your the readership and the f- the followers and comments you get on Twitter and social media in your comment section. Where do you feel like most f- local Husker fans are at in terms of a win loss record for Nebraska this year? Yeah, that's a good question. That as many as you can possibly get. Um, I, I think expectations are high. You know, I think um, it's gotten to a point now where if you pick them to win eight games, I think a lot of people look at the schedule and say, man, that's a little bit light. Um, I, I think that that's where I, I think I had uh, eight and four uh, in our preseason section. So, you know, that's high expectations when if, if, uh, if the fans, and of course, you know, Twitter, comments are a, a vocal minority um but when you've got uh when you've got people just casually throwing out numbers like 10 and 2 um those are pretty high expectations and it's uh, it's always it always happens right it's talking season uh you think everything everyone feels good and then you're always reminded of the grind that a season takes the first time you're in one of those 21 to 17 games in the second half and so um, you know, you always expect a lot of close games, uh, especially in league play, and the West is really wide open. But I, I think it's fair to say that that fans in general have high expectations this fall. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's a good thing to have, and I think it's coming from the right place at least this year. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Game one when Nebraska tees it up with South Alabama. Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star. Parker, we really appreciate you jumping on with a Friday night, man. I know you got a lot going on, but you'll be at the stadium real soon covering a real game. Thanks for the time, buddy. Yeah, that's right. We'll see you there tomorrow, Ben. Sounds good. Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star with us here on Sports Nightly. Thanks to everybody for dialing us up here tonight, the day before game day. We are well under 24 hours from kickoff at Memorial Stadium, one of the most coveted Saturdays in in the state. Got to be, right? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's Christmas and New Year's and your birthday all rolled into one. It's a fresh start. It's your first look at the football team. Usually the weather's pretty good. There are a few days on the calendar that, that are better than the home opener. Yeah, I enjoy it very much. Almost as much as our fans enjoy us giving them our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten Picks presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. Austin has been uh, volunteered by somebody else to give his 
uh, choices on this. Are you playing along with us, or are you just giving Josh's and Greg's? I am also playing along. I was given a slot on the spreadsheet. Wow, so welcome aboard to the spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, I'm official. Take that for data. The official spreadsheet. Um, well, obviously there are a handful of games that have started before uh, before we, we got to do this, so why don't we, we got all of our picks in ahead of time for those games that that have started or have finished. So, Austin, why don't you tell everybody about yesterday's game and uh, the games that have not kicked yet? All right. So, yesterday's games. we had, Or yesterday's game, we had Minnesota, South Dakota State. Every single one of us took Minnesota. That worked out well. Minnesota yep. Barely, but it did. <laughs> hung on by the seat of our pants on that one. Minnesota takes it. Games later tonight, you have Purdue and Nevada. Greg and Josh take Purdue, as do I. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Boilermakers. I don't I don't love this pick. I don't feel entirely confident with this pick, but I don't see enough in Nevada to tell me that they'll have enough to get past Purdue. I, I think it's Boilers by about 7. 11 seems high to me. Yes, it with does. With the line. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't think they cover. I think they win by maybe a field goal. Mm. I think it's that tight. Um, so I've... I, Take, I'm expecting a few points in this one, too. Uh, with no Lorenzo Neal, we found out uh, from Mike Carmen on our Big Ten Blitz. That's going to hurt Purdue up the middle. So I'm going to choose the Boilers. My confidence level, I would say 60%. Yeah, I was thinking 55. Okay. Yeah. Slightly more confident than you. Austin, what about the games in progress, the Rutgers game and the Wisconsin game? What's everybody have for those? All right. So clean sweep across the board from – Greg and Josh. They have Wisconsin and Rutgers. I took Wisconsin as well. I also, though, took UMass. That's looking at pretty good right now. The well, I, Rutgers has tied it. Ah, well, it was looking better about seven minutes and 26 seconds of game time ago. But still, I have faith in the Minutemen to hold on to their 21-7 lead from that first quarter. <laughs> the Minutemen scored 21 points in the first quarter on Rutgers. Isn't Chris Ash a defensive coach? What kind of coach is he really, though? That's a great question. Who knows? Well, he's sure on the defensive. <laughs> yeah. Ba-ba-boom. That's, that's why you get a spot in the spreadsheet, Austin. Hi-oh. Earned it. Earned um, it. Okay, so uh, I picked Rutgers. You, I'm guessing you picked Rutgers. I did, yes. Um, and I picked Wisconsin. Did you? I did pick the Badgers. And Michigan State, I think, is probably unanimous there, too. Yeah, Austin? Same across the board. Everyone taking Sparty. They're up 25 to nothing. Whole bunch of field goals and a safety mixed in with one touchdown. <laughs> How about that? Like, the, the defense is as good as we thought, and the offense it's is as bad as we thought. As tepid. When you – I'm convinced what Mark D'Antonio did was he, you know – there, there, there were ping-pong balls in one of those little things that you spin around. And they had he had the coaches get in a line, <laughs> and they he spun the thing, pulled the ball out, wide receivers. All right, you get wide receivers this year, <laughs> and you get defensive backs, you get defensive line, but you can't have the same positions as you had last year yeah. because we, we, that doesn't work. No, we're, we're shuffling the deck, <laughs> we're changing it up in every way. Howie. Okay, <laughs> whatever. They're up twenty-five, nothing. Clearly, it worked. All right, let's go to Saturday's games. Uh, Florida Atlantic, the Fighting Lane Kiffins, four touchdown underdog against Ohio State. Nate, why don't you go first? 
Yeah, definitely taking the Buckeyes in this one, and I am comfortable with the idea that they win by more than four touchdowns. They're going to win by a whole bunch. Ryan Day and Justin Fields debut. Yes. The Ryan Day debut. Ah. Nice. Wisconsin just threw the ball on third and one, and I just want to throw stuff at the TV. I just don't get them. <laughs> it, yeah, Paul Christ is getting very cute. They run the ball straight down their throats with Jonathan Taylor, and he's flinging the ball around, and I don't know why. They're trying to get Quintez Cephas back involved, I guess. Um, all right, next one. Not even a spread, but I suppose we ought to talk about it since that's the rules of the segment. Howard and Maryland. Anybody picking Howard? No. Pass. Pass. I'm out on Howard. <laughs> out on those guys. Although their uh, their uniforms do look like a lot like the Buffalo Bills. Right. If Maryland was playing the Bills, I'd probably take Buffalo. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, all right. This is a fun one. Akron and Illinois. The Fighting Illini are 18-point favorites against the Zips. Woo! That line's a little hot. That's lofty. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I'll take the Fighting Illini to win, but a little closer than the experts in the desert think. I will uh, do something that I rarely ever do, and that's pick Illinois to win. Hey, yeah. Austin? I didn't zip through this one, you might say, but I did end up taking Illinois, as did Greg and Josh. Now you're trying too hard. Now you're just <laughs> trying too hard. Ugh. So everybody's in on the Illini on that one. Indeed. Uh, Ball State in Indiana also kicks at 11 o'clock. CBS Sports Network. Man, there's just... Anybody picking Ball State? Nope. Similarly not. Nope. Out on them. Mick is throwing his hands up back here in the studio, leading me to believe he has picked Ball State. Okay, well, he doesn't have a spot on the spreadsheet, but we can put him on blast. Can we put him on record saying he's going to pick Ball State over Indiana? It's there. It's on record officially. Brett is usually good for one or two of these a week, just completely out there picks. But you know what? Um, To each his own. Oh, this is a good matchup. Idaho and Penn State. You're really stretching the definition of good matchup. <laughs> Nittany Lions by a whole bucket load. There's not even a line listed on here. All right, this one actually is uh, this uh, this one is a good game. Northwestern and Stanford kicks at three o'clock on Fox. Stanford comes in ranked number 25 in the country. The Cardinal are a six-point favorite. Like the Cardinal, both straight up and against the number that Las Vegas has placed on. Really? Yep. Care to expand on that? A little bit. I, More I of an indictment on um, Stanford or Northwestern? Uh, more on Northwestern. I don't, I don't love Northwestern's offense at all. I think Stanford's got enough. I, you know, I don't think Stanford's going to mop the floor with them, but I think this is a 7-10 to 10 point Cardinal win. Okay. That's a, about where I'm at. I, maybe a little closer. I just have a hard time figuring Northwestern in the non-con. I, I don't trust them at all, good or bad. I, I have no idea what to expect from them. So I'm going to play it safe and pick Stanford. Austin? Greg, Josh, and myself all picked the West Coast geniuses over the No Coast geniuses. So clean sweep for uh, Stanford on this one. Okay. So, wow, I'm a little surprised all of us picked Stanford in that one, to be honest. Yeah. Just a six-point spread. Quarterback issues. Yeah. Or maybe they just have two really, really good ones, and it's, they're having a hard time picking just one. Yeah, I have a tough time believing that. <laughs> um, 
and I have a tough time making these next two games uh, worth anybody's time. Middle Tennessee State against Michigan, Wolverines 35-point favorites, and Iowa 22-point favorites over Miami of Ohio. Both games kick at 630. Anybody picking uh, the Blue Raiders or the Red Hawks? Nope. Had it been basketball and against Michigan State, I would have considered Middle Tennessee State, but no. Miami of Ohio is the Red Hawks, right? You, you, you are correct, okay. yes. Second-guess myself there for a second. I'm taking Iowa. I'm taking Michigan. So I, these first weeks, there are only usually a couple good ones, and uh, unfortunately that is definitely the case. But uh, all the picks are in. Greg ran away with this thing last year, and he's not so humbly bragging about his success that he had in this. So we all need to be better. Yep. Okay. This is my motivational speech to the staff with Greg not being here. We need to be better this year. Well, and let's be honest. We did any. We differed on maybe one game. Is that right? This this week. So I think Austin was the only one that differed on any of them, and he picked UMass. Ah. Okay. Well, well I will take your him. words to heart. Week two and moving forward. Let's go. I've, I, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm very uh, enthusiastic about this, and obviously very very passionate about it so we just we just need to be better it's burning in you isn't it yeah and i'm i mean i'm competing against all you guys too but we just we just can't let him win i i don't know that i can deal with two straight years of of greg now let's go ahead and give you a sneak peek a glimpse of what you can hear tomorrow on the husker game day show with another edition of our corn husker conversation this week we sit down with nebraska senior corner lamar jackson Welcome back. Game one, Cornhusker conversation. We welcome in Nebraska now senior, Lamar Jackson. Senior, man. I mean, let's let's just rewind. Let's go all the way back to the Iowa game and getting on the on the bus and then getting home and then, you know, the realization that you've got one more of these things left. When did it kind of set in for you, maybe that sense of urgency of, of knowing that you got one more crack at it and that's it? Uh, I mean, I feel like it kind of set in like after the fact, like the season was over with, you know, I went through spring ball and as I'm even going through spring ball, I'm getting used to hearing like seniors, seniors and me, me having to react like I'm a senior. Like it, it took a while, but like at the same time, like it's not necessarily like me being a senior didn't really change too much. It really just it's just letting me know like it's, it's now or never pretty much. I got I got to put it all on the table. I, I can't hold back everything I wasn't willing to do. I got to do everything I didn't want to do. I need to do. You know what I'm saying? It's just stuff like that. Just little mental things that, you know, what I'm saying that I just got to I just got to capitalize on at the, at this point just knowing it's my last one and just being more like being a better leader being more vocal you know what I'm saying stuff like that just take just take an initiative for that senior spot that I now that I now am you know what I'm saying just being a senior so I just got to just had to get used to that I mean it, but it hit pretty much like going through spring I'm thinking back to to last year at this time and and the uncertainty that people thought we had in the secondary we hadn't seen you at your best we hadn't seen decap on the field a whole bunch we hadn't seen any of the freshmen at all last year when you look back to before the season last year before you guys played a game what was kind of the mindset you know before the first game of of what the skill set was at, at corner and, and even in the back end with the three safeties but specifically what you guys had at corner you know not not playing you know to the either to the level or to the amount of snaps that you knew you could uh, really, it was kind of one of them things. Just like last year, going in, you know, what I'm saying we can't, like you said, it was a little mixture. It was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a different group. We had three senior safeties. You know, what I'm saying so. At the same time, you got to think when you're a senior, you got you naturally got little personal agendas and stuff like that, just in your head. It just come naturally. Just like when it comes to just like leading and day to day stuff, like it's it's, it's, it's it's about you for the most part, depending on the person. You know, what I'm saying so. Even with me learning that and seeing how that went, you know, it's gonna help me. You know, I'm feedback to my guys this year, rather than not just make sure I'm always thinking about them, not just 
me as as well as improving my game. So you know what I'm saying? We had three seniors, so you know what I'm saying? That was that was his own little thing and on top of just the corner stuff like you said, that was kinda like a battle all all year, all caps, stuff like that. So going in, we everybody still kinda on eggshells when they go in their spot. I mean, of course that's not a good feeling. But like this year going in, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot it's, it's at corner, you know what I'm saying? We got a little bit more security. I mean, you could say me and DCAP, we kinda know what we expect. We kinda expecting to be with the one group. We kinda expecting to we kinda expecting a few more things, you know what I'm saying? Which is allow us to be a little bit more comfortable, be a little bit more open with the younger guys and whoever else it may be with our with our or our or our points with with the togetherness, bring people together because at the same time we're not worried about necessarily losing our job. We really worry about just improving the group as a whole, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like the guys that we got back there running with us, including me and DCAP, including the two safeties, I feel like we all want to get better together. And I feel like we hold each other accountable to as, as to a great extent. And I feel like that's going to be our best thing going into the season, just holding each other accountable and just a willing, the, willing to, the willingness to make plays and really get to the next level. So I feel like that's going to elevate our play naturally. It wasn't all that long ago that I was doing one of these interviews with a, a former Husker corner and Daniel Davey who had a different position coach pretty much every single year he was here. Now you get year two um, with this coaching staff and Coach Chin's defense and, and learning you know the corner spot with this defense. How do you feel right now compare you where you did a year ago in terms of technique what they're asking you to do you know coach fish being on you guys with with what he's preaching every day how do you feel at that point right now compared to last year uh, i feel better than ever like you say like this like even like daniel davy like this is my first time having to position coach two years in a row you know what I'm saying like now I know what coach Fish is about me and coach Fish didn't got, we didn't got closer through the process through everything through trial through tribulation like now you know what I'm saying like I say it's, it's a comfortability thing it's a trust thing you know what I'm saying coach Fish me and him we see eye to eye with certain things you know what I'm saying so just that naturally alone just having your coach trust and just knowing that you you know what I'm saying just just I don't know just naturally just just feeling like entrusted you know what I'm saying just feel like your, your coach and stuff believe in you it just naturally it just helps you feel better it helps you go about your business with a better attitude more confident, more happy. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just, it just, it just makes you feel a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? Just going into year two with the same position coach, I know what to do. I know what we're going to do tomorrow when we go to practice. I know what Joe's going to do. It's a lot of stuff that – it's a lot of uncertainty that – a lot of uncertainty that we had before we ain't got this year. We kind of know we finna expect, we finna hit the ground running, and we're going to try to be the best DB secondary in the country. Lamar Jackson, Nebraska senior cornerback, black shirt with us here on our Cornhusker conversation. Hear the rest of that tomorrow – on Husker game day shortly after 7.30. Pre-game coverage tomorrow beginning bright and early 6 a.m. with the opening drive. Greg Sharp, Nate Rohr, and myself will take you through it. Husker game day to follow and then countdown to kickoff all leading up to Scott Frost and this pre-game show. We get ready for kick at 11.02 tomorrow between South Alabama and Nebraska. Fellas, let's hand out our winners and losers of the week. Austin Orman going to pop in and play along with us. Austin, why don't you go ahead and bat lead off tonight? I would be absolutely honored. My winner of the week is John Sherman, currently the Cleveland Indians minority owner. Uh, he's purchasing the Kansas City Royals for a billion dollars. Officially, that sale will go through and it can be ratified by all the owners in November. Now, the circumstances aren't the greatest. Uh, David Glass in poor health. Now, that, that's terrible. But for John Sherman, this is a heck of an opportunity. Uh, the team's worth now a billion dollars. That's what he's paying for. It's in a pretty good spot financially. He gets the chance to make his own legacy here. Uh, as, as a full owner, build a really positive legacy with another AL Central team, bring some much-needed changes to the Royals organization. My loser of the week, 
chicken sandwich beef. Yes, this is still stretched on the feud between Chick-fil-A and Popeyes. I don't get it. I think chicken sandwiches are an inferior fast food menu item. Mm. They're not worth standing in line for even 10 minutes to order, let alone hours like some people have. Just get a burger or chicken nuggets. Pick one of the two. That's move on. That's a fire on. take. It honest. is. I'm a big chicken sandwich guy. Oh, are you? Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah. Like, I'm I not would, I wouldn't stand wait in line, line for it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, but to say that it's an inferior menu item is is crossing the line. I, I think. think you're ill-informed, Austin. I, I'm a little disappointed. I I just prefer burgers and chicken nuggets. Like chicken I gotta sandwiches. I got to change my loser I, of the week here. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hey. I get it from like Popeyes and Chick Fil A where they have them, and the, okay, there's an argument. But if you're getting it from someplace like a McDonald's or Burger King, just get a burger or chicken nuggets. Like I still prefer Popeyes and Chick-fil-A's chicken nuggets. There's an, obviously, they should have chicken sandwiches on their menu. Just not for me. I'm not getting them. All right. Well, interesting. Let's pass the baton on to Nate. Okay. So my winners of the week, the Oakland Athletics. Yesterday, they were playing the Kansas City Royals. The A's, again, pushing for another playoff spot. Top of the ninth inning, A's led it by one, eight to seven. And they had a runner at third. And they hit a foul pop-up toward the third base side dugout. The Royals' third baseman chases it, makes the catch, falls into the dugout, which means, if you know your baseball rules, it went in. the ball went into a dead ball territory, which means everyone's allowed to go up a base. So the runner from third scored on a pop-up. That was 75 feet away from home plate. That's some efficiency right there. Hey, and... You know, just more bad luck for the Royals. Just rough. <laughs> old, old Sparkman didn't have it yesterday. No, no, he sure didn't. And yet they somehow got back into the, that game. Yeah. I, was, I was a little surprised by that. My Andy Fails Memorial Loser of the Week, going to go with Doug Gottlieb of yeah. Fox Sports fame, ripping on Andrew Luck for retiring when Luck is a millionaire multi-times over. Somehow uses his own credit cards, yeah. thank you very much, and, and is able to retire with body and mind still intact. Uh, family is financially set forever. Uh, maybe you can be a little disappointed in the timing. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're ready to be done, you should be done and get out and give the spot to somebody who who wants to be there, who needs to be there. So uh, the fact that uh, Doug Gottlieb was ripping on him was a little precious. Doug Gottlieb is, was, and always will be an idiot. Indeed. Yeah, that, that, that's a pretty good summation. <laughs> you know, from from his missteps at Notre Dame, his Oklahoma State days, now anytime he flips on a mic, yeah, no thanks. No thanks. I'm out on him. Uh, honorary, I think, group winner of the week was Troy Aikman. Yeah, how about that? For uh, basically sitting him down and <laughs> giving him a talking to. Yes. That was awesome. I love it when, you know, big-time guys go at each other. It's hilarious. All right, my uh, my winner of the week, I'm going Christian Yelich. Uh, not for his play on the field so much as his play, uh, play on the field and play with words. He was destroyed by a fan for posing in ESPN's The Body magazine. And one of his Twitter critics named Roxanne J tweeted, it's really sad how you don't give a thought about all the young kids that idolize you before. He tweets back at her, relax, Roxanne. <laughs> and the next day at the ballpark, his walkout song is Roxanne by the police. <laughs> just poetic. Just, just perfect. Just, hey, Roxanne, zip it. Yes. And, hey, the body issue is tastefully done, yes. but all nude. If yeah. you remember the Kevin Garnett. And, and there, let's be honest. There are worse 
players out there to criticize than Christian Yelich. Yeah. Like, what has that guy ever done to anybody? Yeah. Nothing. Uh, my loser of the week is Antonio Brown. Just put on a helmet. Dude, just put on a, a regular, regulated, league-mandated helmet and play football. And stop being a baby. But it, I'm fine if you don't want to play because you do play for the Raiders. Yeah, that that's a nice empty cap hit for the Raiders. Yeah, sit down, Andrew, or uh, sit down, Antonio Brown. Help the Raiders be the Raiders. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. That's our winners and losers of the week. That's going to do it for Sports Nightly here this week. Get ready, Husker Nation. Game day coming your way tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. We're on the air. The opening drive with Greg Sharp, Nate Rohr, and myself. We'll have Husker game day to follow. Countdown to kickoff after that. Scott Frost pregame show. And then, of course, kickoff at Memorial Stadium shortly after 11 o'clock between Nebraska and South Alabama. Thanks to all my help tonight, Josh Hilkem and Austin Norman. Thanks to Nate for sitting in with me. Thanks to all of you for listening. we got Husker football coming your way tomorrow morning. We'll talk to you on Monday.